The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Anybody sunburned out there? I got a little bit of sun this weekend. It was brilliant. I'm so thrilled for it. Now I'm a little red tone, but I'm okay with it. So I'm so glad you're here today. I'm glad the AC is on and that we need it today. So, uh, and if you're tuning online, so glad you're joining us. I love technology and the fact that you can join us even from where you're at. Uh, even my wife who's home right now with my kiddos uh, or even the infamous Debbie Cole. So thank you for being here today. Um, I told some people I'd give them some shout outs. So, uh, but yes, today I'm so excited to be here. We are continuing in our I Promise series, hence the bumper. Uh, we are going to be in John chapter 14. So if you brought your Bible, we'd love for you to open it up uh, and turn to John chapter 14. Maybe you have your smartphone that has the Bible app. Go ahead and open up there. If you don't have any of those things, that's okay. I'll put the screen on, uh, the description on the screen behind me as well. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Aaron, uh, A.A. Ron, Pastor AA, you can refer to me as. Some of you even think that I'm Ryan, uh, and so I go by that name too, uh, because that's about par for the course. So um, Ryan is one of our pastors here as well, who's actually out of town with his wife celebrating their 40th, or her 40th birthday. So uh, you didn't hear it from me. Uh, so Adrian, Adrian, if you're listening, it wasn't me that just said that, it was Ryan. So um, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here today. I love, uh, I love our church family. I love being here. And I just want to tell you, I was actually leaning over and talking to Tezra. Um, you know it's been a while that we've done iHeart when one of the, video, the B-roll footages has my daughter, who's nine uh, in just a couple months, and she does not look nine in that video with the reptile man. So um, it's been a while, and I'm so thrilled that it's coming back, and I want to encourage you. Uh, if you have no clue what iHeart is, that video did a great job explaining it, but we take a week out of the year to serve the communities God has placed us in. Uh, and we really firmly believe that we're a church that's called to be in our community. Uh, and that's what iHeart is about, is being strategic ways to partner and reach our local community. So we'd love for you to jump on the app or jump on the website or the, uh, go to the hub and sign up for iHeart. It's gonna be an incredible week uh, where we get to serve together. So uh, if you know what iHeart is, I hope you're as excited as me that it's coming back and we finally get to do it again. So um, it's gonna be an incredible summer. Get ready, buckle up, because I believe what God's gonna do is gonna be remarkable. So. John chapter 14, we are continuing the series where we're going to talk about the, the, the promise that we are given of peace. If you know anything about me, you've been here long enough, you know that I'm a, a dad of three kids. Um, if you don't know that about me, now you know you're welcome. I've got a nine-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old, uh, Abigail, Gideon, and Esther. And the one thing that is more and more apparent as a father, uh, not just of one, but of two and of three, it's more magnified, I feel like, is the need for peace. Anybody relate to that? Some of you don't even need to have kids to, can re to relate to the idea of peace. But here's what, I'll here's what I know. I, I oftentimes, what you see is what you get with me. I'm pretty transparent. I, I've learned a lot about being a dad, about God's love for me uh, and love for you. And, uh, but God is so faithful. But there's moments where I realize I need peace. Peace and quiet. Can I get an amen? Like that, that's what I need sometimes. Because if... If I can tell you anything about my home, and if my kids are listening, I love them dearly, um, but it is ongoing. It is nonstop. And uh, my favorite moments sometimes are after they go to bed. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I think that, that we can all relate to peace in one way, shape, or form. Maybe it's not in parenting kids, but maybe it's in your workplace, right? We, we, there's times where we crave peace. Maybe it's not in a workplace. Maybe it's just in home, your home life. Maybe it's your neighborhood. 
Maybe like me, you've got uh, a Mustang that drives into a lower cul-de-sac at like the, the worst times of day. Uh, and if you're watching today or you're here today and you own that Mustang, I love you and I love that you're in my neighborhood, but selfishly, can I ask you not to, I guess use my platform to be selfish for a moment, but can you like drive when I'm not home? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but maybe you're like me and there's, there's, you need peace in your neighborhood. Maybe there's a neighbor, maybe there's a dispute, maybe there's things going on. Uh, but peace is something I think we can all relate to. Um, and sometimes the way we find that peace is maybe it's in a nice warm bath with candles and bubbles. Maybe it's in a cup of coffee in the morning, like my morning rhythms. That's always, I want to read my Bible. I want to have a cup of my coffee. I sound so spiritual when I say that, but I want to drink my coffee and the calmness and the quiet when my kids are talking and they're awake and I can't focus and I get mad and I say, Jesus, take them away. Because um, <laughs> I just want to spend time with you, God. I'm, I, it's, it's, it really is a righteous motive. But there's times maybe it's a cup of coffee or maybe, maybe for you, it's not a cup of coffee, but maybe it's the calm after the kids finally go to bed. Just, oh. Can we all just pretend like there's no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, and it's funny because I feel bad, like harping on, I'm not harping on my kids. I, they are a joy. I'm so thankful God has blessed me with three children who are all so unique and have so much energy and bring so much to my life. But there's moments I think we can relate where we just want peace. But here's what I'm gonna be honest with you. And if you'll be honest with us or yourself today as well, Oftentimes we pursue things for peace that actually don't provide satisfying peace. What I mean by that is they expire. At one point that cup of coffee is empty, right? At one point that warm bath runs cold. One point the kids wake up, right? So even though we pursue things in peace, they have an expiration date. And I'm thankful today that the promise we get to cling to, that the promise we get to wrestle with, the promise Jesus gives us. And John chapter 14 is a peace that doesn't expire. And so I want to read John chapter 14, starting in verse 25 together. It says this, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. And then he makes his left turn. Okay, get up. Let's leave this place. And I want to pray this morning for God's word and then share with us a simple thought about this peace that Jesus promises. But pray with me if you will. God, we thank you for a new day. God, I firmly believe that there's individuals who have come in this room and not because I want to be like really cool and awesome, but God, I really do believe there's circumstances, that there's situations, that there's weight in this room for your people. But I believe the peace that you have promised. I'm praying and asking Holy Spirit that you would bring a, a, a relief and not just momentary, not just temporarily, but God, I pray that it would be an eternal relief where we can be reassured of our adoption into your family and walk out in peace today. So Lord, whether we're gathered here in person or maybe we're at home online, Lord, I pray your peace that surpasses understanding as Philippians reminds us, God would guard our hearts and our minds today that would lead us and guide us because you are faithful and you are good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
I love the truth that exists in, these, in, this, in this passage. And I wanna, I wanna quickly run through a few things and, and, and get us to the point because there's a journey that I think we need to go on today. And I want us to remember in John chapter 14, it's actually continuing the conversation that Jesus is having from John 13. A little bit of context for us. Jesus is, is sitting down with his 12 disciples on the verge of his crucifixion. He's sitting down what's called the last supper. It's the last meal where he's sitting down and talking and dialoguing and being with his disciples. But he starts off in John 13 by washing the disciples' feet, which is an incredible act because that's the job of a low servant. It's not the job of a rabbi teacher. So Jesus models at the very beginning this tension, this reality that his kingdom, his purposes are not like the world, right? So in John 13, it's the Last Supper. It's the beginning of the Last Supper. We see conversations happen where he, he tells his disciples, hey, there's a potential betrayal coming. And all of his disciples are like, well, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Who, who is it? They start taking side bets and be like, oh, my money's on stones. No, I'm just kidding. They don't do that. But they hear of this potential betrayal. This is also where Jesus then reveals to Peter, hey, you're going to deny me three times before the night's over. This is like the Last Supper. This is like Jesus' last hurrah. Then he continues the conversation in chapter 14. This is where he has conversations and he continues. He talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. He talks about so many other things that I don't have time to get into this morning. But this is where we pick up verses 25 to 31. It's at the tail end of this dinner. It's at the tail end of the time together. And he makes these, he makes these statements that I've spoken these things referring to everything from chapter 13 to 14. While I remain with you, I'm here right now, but I'm not always going to be. He says, but the Holy Spirit, the counselor whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything I've told you. And I love that Jesus reminds us today of a promise we've already talked about is the need for the Holy Spirit. That we are unable to go through the life that God has called us to remembering everything Jesus promises. Anybody forget things? Somebody, did you forget where you put your keys this morning? Here's the thing. The one thing I'm learning, and when you have three kids, it's like, okay, who took my phone? Where is it? I mean, God forbid I'm going to forget where I put my car, which I've done that sometimes in a parking garage, okay? I swear it was on this level. It's so easy to forget things. How much easier is it to forget the truth and the promises that God gives us? So you and I today as followers of Christ need the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of everything Jesus stood for, everything Jesus did, everything Jesus tells us of, both the grace and the truth. Jesus is full as a full measure of both. And so he says, you need the Holy Spirit to be reminded. Why? Because the truth of God is what anchors our life. Continues on. And what I would say is the key verse here, and if you haven't underlined this in your Bible, highlighted it in the Bible app, I would encourage you, challenge you, and tell you to do so as your pastor. It's a loving thing. But it says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. He gives us his peace. And the promise that this peace is, from Christ, it doesn't expire. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't need an update. It's not gonna get, become outdated, an old model. This is a peace that is eternal and will never be touched by anything man can provide. Jesus says point blank, I give you my peace. Not as the world gives. 
So don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. I don't know if, if there's anything else that we need to wrestle with today in our today's world, not even in light of what's happened the last handful of years, but in light of the last 38 years of my life, I need peace that surpasses understanding. Because life is crazy. Life is hard. And Jesus, on the verge of crucifixion, sitting with his 12 disciples, at this point 11, because Judas leaves at one point, says, my peace I give you. Yes, please. And again and again and again, the peace, it doesn't expire. And I want to I wrap up the passage for a second and come back to this, but it's crazy because he says this, you have heard me tell you I'm going away. I'm, I'm coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father. Hold up. Jesus, the most pivotal man in history because all of our, our, our date and our time is hinged on B.C. A.D. This man, Jesus, says it's better for you to leave. Hold up. I should rejoice in your leaving. Anybody ever left your wife and kids for a trip for whatever reason? Maybe your husband and kids for a trip? I, I had the opportunity to lead, to lead a Philippines trip in 2019 before COVID happened. My kids were not like, yay, daddy's leaving. My kids are standing at the airport with my wife in tears because I'm, I'm not going to be home tonight. And Jesus is saying, if, if you love me, you'd rejoice that I'm going to the Father? What? On earth, Jesus, I don't, I, I don't know what you're thinking. The, arguably, in my opinion, the greatest man that ever lived, who modeled this full measure of grace and truth, who performed miracles, who met people in their brokenness, who opened the eyes of the blind, who said, hey, Lazarus, even though you stink, come forth. You would rejoice that I'm going to the Father. And, and, and it's key because he says this, the Father is greater than I. Yeah. Now, to the, fast forward 2,000 years, we now can understand what Jesus is saying is if he were to stay on this earth and continue what he was doing, he would become a bottleneck and the church and the mission and purpose of God would be limited by his presence, his physical humanity. It was a limitation. And what Jesus was alluding to is that the Holy Spirit's gonna come and it's gonna fill and empower the believers to then take the gospel forward to the nations. Now you and I are products of the Holy Spirit moving upon the believers and we now get to gather thousands of years later in a church continuing the message of Jesus because Jesus went away to the Father. So you and I today get to rejoice that you and I have been empowered, that you and I as followers of Christ now have a purpose, that you and I are agents of his love and his grace to the world as we know it. So now we can say, okay, it is good. Like, God, I'm gonna rejoice in how many people get baptized and how many people say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna rejoice in, in broken lives being restored. I'm gonna rejoice in opportunities like iHeart to tangibly love a community. I'm gonna rejoice because God, you... You're doing so many things that it should bring great joy. So yes, it's kind of crazy to think about it for a minute, but if we're stopping and remembering, there's joy and we get to take part. There's purpose for my life. I've lived a purposeless, purposeless life before. It's not fun. And I would simply even say, not to be insensitive, there's some of us today that are living purposeless lives, trying to find meaning and hope. And you've tried it apart from Jesus. 
And Jesus would simply say to you, my peace I give you today, trust in me, not in anything else. Because he doesn't give as the, as the world gives. Then he makes this one simple statement, I think it's awesome and I wanna hit it because it's a great point. He says this, I will not talk to you much longer but the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. Jesus is sitting there on the verge of his crucifixion, on the verge of his death. He says, hey, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm facing. I know what's coming. And he has the audacity to tell us, my peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. But you know why he had peace? Because even though he knew he was going to die, the enemy thought he was gonna win. And Jesus is sitting there on the other side like, he's not gonna win. He's not gonna win. He's gonna think he does. I've said this before in different moments, but one of the things I love from my father-in-law early on when I first met him is he would make these statements when I'm in his house, goody, goody gumdrops for Jesus and ha ha on the devil. <laughs> ha ha on the devil. He's not gonna win. Yeah. Why do you and I have peace today? Because the devil didn't win. Do you know that? I've been praying all morning. God, I want joy in this place because the devil didn't win. You and I have peace no matter what our circumstance is, no matter what situation we're facing because the devil didn't win. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Hear this. My peace. I give to you. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? See, Jesus was facing the crucifixion. And I love a way that the expositor's commentary says this. says this, the peace Jesus spoke of could not be exempt from conflict and trial. Oftentimes, if we're going to be honest for a second, we want peace that's exempt from conflict or trial. When we want that moment of peace and tranquility in our home, whether it's a bubble bath or a cup of coffee or the kids finally go to bed or fill in any other blank, whether it's in our workplaces, our relationships, in our, in our neighborhoods, oftentimes we want it to be exempt from conflict and trial. Jesus's peace is not exempt from conflict and trial. It's in the midst of conflict and trial. So it couldn't be excluded. When, he, when Jesus gives you peace, it can't be exempt of these things because Jesus himself was troubled by the crucifixion. Continue reading in John. He gets to the point where he sweats blood because he's so overwhelmed with grief about the weight that he's getting ready to carry. He even says, God, if it's your will, take this from me. Take this cup. I don't want to drink it. But then he says, it's not my will. Yours be done. He had peace. The peace Jesus spoke of, this is expositor. He says, the peace he spoke of is the calmness and the confidence in God. Jesus had this peace because he was sure of the Father's love and approval. The world can only give false peace, which mostly comes from ignorance of peril. In other words, you're ignorant of the fact that your life is finite. Something bad's going to happen. So we become ignorant. Oh, nothing, nothing bad's going to happen. What happened to me? It's, that's, I'm different. My situation's different. Or self-reliance. In other words, I'll make my own path, forge my own way, and figure my own way out. I got it figured out. I'll be okay. 
by my own two hands, I pull my bootstraps up and I, I, I put my head down, I do work. I'll take care of me. That's the world, that's the peace the world can offer. Jesus is saying, I've got better peace. And guess what? You just have to trust in me to get it. You just have to trust in me is what Jesus would say. I'm not saying you have to trust in me. Please don't trust in me. I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus like you, okay? The peace Jesus has given is not a knockoff version. He says it's not like the world gives. So it makes me ask the question, what's the peace that the world gives for you and I today? I wish I could spend all morning working through all the different thoughts, but even then it wouldn't be exhaustive enough. But here's a few things that I, I was resting through and I was writing down. We find peace from the world in our bank accounts, in our 401ks, in our retirements, in what retirement is going to look like. We find peace in those things. We find peace, the world offers us peace in our relationship status. And I wanna take a side note for a second and simply say this, as a culture, we have elevated this conversation of being in a relationship and we have downgraded those who are single. And this has happened for a long time. Even when I was in college, I, I felt the pressure of finding a wife. We had a thing at Northwest where it was like, ring by spring or get your money back. <laughs> it wasn't like an official stance of the college because they actually would be paying out a lot of money. I actually got my money back too. But we put such a pressure and it even comes from ourselves. I'm looking for happiness and the only thing that can bring me happiness and peace is then another person. Singleness is just on the same degree of being married or in a relationship. Can I just be honest with you? Both are unique positions where God can thrive and develop and encourage and build you up to be exactly who he's called you to be. Being signal, signal, being signal, being single <laughs> is not a bad thing or a mark against you, young person, adult who's single. It's not a bad thing. Paul would actually say the opposite. Paul would say it's a great thing because then you can sell out completely to Jesus and not be inhibited or distracted by a spouse or someone else. But it doesn't mean one is worse than the other. It means that whatever season God has you in, celebrate and rejoice in it because his purpose prevails. So follow confidently, follow boldly today in the season you're in. Don't be quick to find someone that's just gonna work. Trust in God's timing and provision because your relationship status does not give you peace that lasts. It expires very quickly. See, we find peace. The world offers peace in being a good person. I'm good enough. I treat most people fairly except the guy that cuts me off or the one who looks at me crossly or poorly when I'm trying to get my coffee. We put, we put our stock in the ability to be a good person, but it expires. Because what happens when you turn into a mean person? Because we all turn into mean people sometimes. Well, yeah, that means I'm a mama bear. But you're mean. How do we operate as God would call us to as Christians? In grace and in truth. Doesn't mean you can't get righteously angry, but we put too much stock in being a good person. It's the latest trend or gizmo or gadget. That's how I have peace. I'm keeping up with the Joneses. I've got the right boat, the newest model home. I can take my RV camping. Vacation destinations, I just need to make it to this window of time. But the problem is after that week, that 10 days, that two weeks, that some of you three months because of snowboarding, which is rad, by the way. One day I'll look forward to that. 
But we just say, if, if I can just get here, then everything will be okay. But there's an expiration date to that. We put, the world offers peace through destinations. The world offers peace through having kids and completing your family. And I know some of you, and I, again, and I appreciate what Heather said a couple weeks back on Mother's Day, so profoundly gracious and mercifully. But we have this peace. If only I can get that. Our peace doesn't come from that. In empty nests, I can't wait for my kids to move out. <laughs> Some of you just recently had a baby and you're already looking forward to being an empty nester. <laughs> you don't get peace from being an empty nester. You don't get peace from owning a home. In this market, <laughs> We look for peace from a promotion or a dream job. We look for peace from met and fulfilled expectations. Can I just be honest with you? Expectations may get met every now and then, but rarely do they fully get met. But we don't get peace from that. The world offers peace through ways and means and circumstances that we control. The peace that Christ offers finds its root in one thing. In a God who has accepted you belonging to his family because he's a good father. And the problem with sin is it's ripped you out of that family and it's placed you separate from him. But the beauty of what Christ offers is through his death and his resurrection, we are now accepted and re reinstituted into God's family. It's the word, the fancy word, reconciled. We are redeemed through Christ's death and resurrection. Our peace now exists in a God who is mighty to save, who is the provider of everything else, who gives us everything we need whenever we need it to be exactly what he's called us to be to a world that is broken, that it needs hope. We are called and set apart and our peace comes from Christ alone. That's it. There's no gimmicks, there's no trades, there's no updates or upgrades, or if you do this or do that, then all of a sudden you get more peace. No, Jesus says, you have my peace, which held him facing death and crucifixion. Do you get that? This is a deep truth that even as I was writing, like, Lord, I need to understand this more because there's so much power in this. I don't know what you come in here facing today. I don't know the weight that's on your shoulders. I don't know all the different things that have played out for you this week and into this weekend. But what I do know is simply this, the promise that Jesus says, you, I give you my peace is still yours for the taking. And you don't have to do anything with it besides trust and rest in his acceptance and your belonging to his family because of what Christ has done. That's where Jesus's peace comes from. When he says, I give you my peace, he's referring and reminding us that the peace that the world gives is dependent on our circumstances. But the peace that he gives comes from the confidence that we have a mighty God who is sovereign, who is the creator and a good father. Do you know what happens when my car breaks down? I have a dad who was a jack of all trades. 
He taught me basic mechanic tree, if I can say it that way. He taught me basic carpentry. He taught me basic necessities as a, as a young man, what I'm gonna need to learn how to swing a hammer, how to use a drill, how to turn a wrench. He also taught me how to put tools away because I wasn't the best at putting tools away. Aaron, where's my hammer? I don't know. He finds it a week later in the yard because I didn't put it away. I was in trouble. My car breaks down. My first thing that I do is I, I call him. I say, hey, Dad. He answers typically the same way. Hey there. Hello. Dad, what do I do? My car's doing this, this, and this. We'll take it to mechanic. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's like, well, I'm not there, so I can't actually help you. He's like, but here's what I would check. This, 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 or this. Sometimes I'll check those things and it won't fix anything. It still doesn't work. Okay, well, what about this or that? And then it gets to a point, it's like, it's above my pay grade. You, you have to take that to mechanic. But then sometimes like, hey, yeah, check a hose. It sometimes means there's a vacuum leak or, and so, okay, yeah, great. I'll look at the hoses and I'm like, oh, hey, look, there's a vacuum leak. Whenever you hear your car and your hood's open, it's like, shh. It often means there's air flowing somewhere. It shouldn't be flowing, just so you know. Put my thumb over like, hey, Dad, I figured it out. Thanks. Just have to replace the hose and everything's good to go. God is not unavailable to you today. I I have a good dad. And unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. That even many of you here today don't have not experienced a great father. But God is a good father. He cares about you. He doesn't ignore you. He's not inconvenienced by you. He's not disappointed in you. Here's the thing, as a dad of three kids, rarely am I disappointed in my children. Now, I don't like the choices they make, right? But rarely am I disappointed in them because they're my kids. I'm instilling in my children now. I look and they say, do you know why I love you? My oldest has it figured out because I'm your daughter. Yes, and that will never change, baby girl. You are always my child because I want her to know her her choices and the life that she lives does not disappoint me. Now, do I want the best for her? Yes, but she is my daughter. God is a good father who loves you. We know that because his son endured the cross, scorned its shame and ha ha on the devil because he did not win. So the peace he offers is the peace that comes from belonging and the confidence that there's a God who loves us like crazy. So a simple question for you and me today is how do we then walk in this peace? And I love the hope and the promise of Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding will guard your heart and your mind. I wish I could put to words the peace that God has for you. But Paul is very clear, it surpasses our understanding, but it's deeper than a feeling. It's deeper than an experience. It's it's the thing that guards us and keeps us that no matter what happens or comes our way, we can say, God, I trust you because you are faithful. Sometimes we just need to pause in the midst of a very difficult circumstance, very difficult choice, a difficult trial. 
say, God, I don't know how this is gonna work out, but I know that I'm right with you because of what Jesus has done and I've accepted your invitation to belong to your family and I'm gonna trust that you're gonna work this all out to glorify your name because you're a good father. See, I don't know what you came in today with, but if I could encourage you in anything, whatever you face, pause. Remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Father, there are so many things that I'm facing, but I thank you that you are faithful to give me everything I need. It's where the promises and the word of God comes alive and it reminds us of who he is as the sovereign creator who desires to work out all things for your good if you love him today and are called according to his purpose. That we can hope and as we bring those petitions and then we bring those prayers before God, it says this, and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and your minds. You know, the two places that we fight the most in, in our lives is our heart and our minds. The peace of God surpasses understanding. We get a glimpse and we begin to understand this is how Jesus was held firmly in the midst of his crucifixion that his, his, his confidence was in God who was mighty. As I was writing my notes and I was preparing for today and I was praying for today, even I was walking from my car to the building this morning, I said, God, what do you have for your people? I sound so spiritual when I say that. I don't say that to try and sound spiritual. But my prayer is, and my, my, my simple question for you is, I don't know if you're here today, if you've got something, you just say, man, I need God's peace in my life. I'm just gonna ask you right where you're at to raise your hand because I wanna pray specifically for you because I believe God wants to give you peace. He wants to take your circumstance and pull you out of it and remind you whose you are because he cares. So I would love for you to agree with me in prayer. If, if, even if your hand's up, but even if your hand's down, I would love for you to pray with me for our, fan, our friends and church family. Lord, today we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the promise of peace today. Lord, whether there's individuals here in person, which I see their hands, or maybe they're online today, Lord, that they're navigating some very difficult circumstances. God, even as I think of repetitive sickness in houses right now, God, even as I think about uh, financial hardships, God, as we are all sensing inflation and the challenge of what it is, God, or even it's, it's relationship issues or conflicts where your truth is challenging each and every one of us to honor, Lord, to, to submit to our, our spouses. God, I pray today in the name of Jesus for your peace that surpasses understanding to flood each and every individual. God, I pray that this would not be an emotional moment, but God, it would be a catalytic moment. God, that from this moment forward, that we would be able to be anchored to your truth, that Jesus, you have given us your peace. So our hearts don't have to be troubled or fearful anymore, but that we can walk in confidence knowing that you have set the course, that the righteous steps are ordered by you, that even though a man makes a plan in his heart, Lord, your will prevails. God, I pray that your truth and your peace would go before us today. And I pray for each and every situation. God, I pray your peace and I speak your peace over them in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you that you are faithful and I thank you that you are good. You are a good father. And Lord, I pray that today as we leave the gathering and we go outside or we have plans, God, I pray your peace would go before us and remind us daily and diligently who you are 
and as the anchor of our faith and our peace today. I thank you for your hope. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.